the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, The Athletic. Cranking out tons of sports news. As this hiatus reaches week five for many, plenty to look at at theathletic.com. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off. Get detailed coverage of every trade, all the free agent signings. Plenty still to come, by the way. 10 or 12 really good names still out there for the NFL. And, oh, by the way, there's a draft in a couple of weeks, which is going to be must-see TV. Nothing like we've ever had before. These guys are all over it, especially Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun at their respective sports, plus analytic gurus like John Hollinger and Seth Partno. Join today. Get 40% off at theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. We're getting closer to the NFL draft. That's pretty much the uh, bulk of the <laughs> of the social media and the mainstream sports news right now. Plenty to discuss. We had Joe Marino on last week. Great discussion about which teams would be most interesting this year, which players could slide around a little bit. I thought he had some great things to say about the quarterbacks. A little different things to say. I mean, the, the notion of Tua sliding has always been there. He's done a lot of homework on this. He's seen all the pro days. He's seen these Instagram videos. He's talked to these GMs directly. So his sense is not good news for Tua. Not top five, maybe not even top ten, although I'd be hard-pressed to see Jacksonville missing on him, knowing their track record and where they currently sit on things. But Joe had a lot of great things to say. I thought he got into some really interesting topics, and uh, we're always happy to have him on the show. Here's what's going to happen this week. We're going to Scott Allen in a few minutes here. We're going to talk about this draft a little bit more and in a little bit more detail. We're going to spin it from the GM side. I did some homework here on all 32 current GMs for those teams that actually have one and, uh, you know, some more than others. I got into some of their styles, some of their trends, some of their track records, things like that. And then obviously how they're set up for 2020 in terms of draft picks, needs, things like that. We're not going to go too far down that rabbit hole because we're going to try to stay a little bit more business side of it, of course. We'll have some discussions with Scott about which teams could be doing what, when, and where past things they've done in the drafts, all those sort of things. Any questions on the Brandon Cook stuff, on the Houston Texans stuff, I'm happy to go into that in more detail. I thought about putting together a, a piece or two, sort of breaking down the numbers, but I did a quick show last Friday on it. Hopefully a lot of the questions were answered there, but at SpotTrek on Twitter, info at SpotTrek.com for any email questions you want to send, send our way on any of these things. Dead cap, all those idioms that come with the NFL contract that are kind of crazy until you really understand how they work. Why did the Rams trade Brandon Cooks? You can listen to that show last Friday on the SpotTrek podcast. And thanks for those who have continued to listen. Please make sure to rate us, subscribe, all those good things on all, all the channels you're listening to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get it. Thanks for the continued support. Let's bring in Scott Allen and talk about some NFL GMs. Scott, welcome back to the show. Hope things are well. Hope it was a good Easter weekend. Uh, not much to talk about <laughs> uh, unless you watch more iRacing or reruns of the Masters. Uh just not a lot there right now, as you, as you might imagine. So we're going to stick to the script here, uh, dive into the NFL draft a little bit more. I took a different spin on it. I took a spot track spin on it a little bit. Um, not so much from the money standpoint, which is something we can definitely get to down the road as things get closer. But um, we're going to talk some GMs, specifically the current GMs and how their trends or history sort of align themselves for what could happen in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, before we get there, XFL. I want to get your take on that. They're broke. It's hard to blame them. 
Did they have to do this? I mean, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the initial reports that came out were they were just going on hiatus and um, we're going to be back next season. So uh, from from all those reports, I mean, you assume that they had enough money and they were going to be OK. Uh, but then with that news drop and that they've completely f- folded, essentially, um, and laid everybody off. I, I know in this area, people liked it. They enjoyed going to the games. I know some of the uh, DJs that I follow on sports radio down here, they were um, they were ecstatic with it. They, they enjoyed the, uh, the presence at the soccer stadium. They had a lot of fun. They, they really bought into it. So from that standpoint, it's a shame uh, because it was they were getting the attendance that they probably wanted there. So let me, let me put it this way. So the NFL is taking all this flag for saying they're definitely going to have a 2020 season, which take it or leave it. You know, you can, you can understand the confidence. You can understand them trying to just keep, you know, life as normal until it's not, it's reckless, right? It's reckless to think that and not have a backup plan. So let's hope that they're saying this, but also doing every, taking every step possible to cover the butts if and when everything has to get canceled. Um, this complete, this seems completely the opposite to me. My, my, I guess my question was this, why did they have to say this right now? <laughs> yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, that's why nobody's so going to blame them for canceling this year. They should be canceled right now. But I, I mean, it's not like these guys that are currently on a roster were being held back. They were, in fact, they opened up the window to go to the NFL earlier because of everything. They basically said, if you can get a job somewhere else, get it. Now, maybe that was the writing on the wall for this, but I I just don't understand why they had to make that budgetary decision right now. I understand them being bankrupt. There's going to be a lot of businesses that go completely belly up because of this and something that new with that much revenue riding on it, you can understand, but they're not even going to take a a stab at, you know, bringing this back, bringing a modified version of this back in 2021. And they're saying that in April of 2020, I, I don't understand yeah. the timing. I don't understand why you have the, to deflate this right now. The, the only one of the things I read was Vince McMahon's valuation. Uh, I can't remember if it was through Forbes or something else, but his valuation for what he's worth has taken a huge hit, not just because of the situation we're in. It's just has gone down in general. So I don't know if that had like, like uh, wrestling is struggling. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, his I, I want to say and I, I, don't quote me on these numbers, but I want to say it went from like one point nine billion down to one point four billion or something like that. If I remember correctly off the top of my head. Yeah. So, I mean, he took Ooh, a, huh? he's taken a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, really. He, he's taken a hit, a substantial hit in something. Maybe that has to do with why this had come out now. The only other thing I can think of is they've ran some kind of statistical modeling, financial modeling based on the games that they've already played and projected it out to see if it's worthwhile trying to even have that season. And yeah, they've definitely modeled it and you can understand that being a math guy. Um, don't you think like what? I don't know. Was there a chance for a buyout here? A bailout of some sort? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, one that, of the is, things maybe that, that's what they're looking for, Scott. Maybe they're saying this now because they're hoping a couple of corporations come up and say, hey, 
We, you know, we, this thing had some promise. It had some possibilities on a smaller level. It was kind of working, you know, let's throw our money into this. And then it's possible. Right? It is. Right? It is. You got to leave mean, your girlfriend to see if she really loves you kind of thing. <laughs> well, that, and I mean, when you have all your lawyers involved and, and you can imagine the amount of lawyers Vince McMahon has under his role, I mean, they probably have seen some kind of situation or a loophole where they can, they're saying, yeah, this situation has affected us that much that we had to get bankrupt and maybe they get money back. And then depending on where things go from there, maybe he brings it back in 2021. Yeah, I think that's right. I think by completely shutting down, you're probably opening yourself up to a lot of federal money, unemployment for a lot and a lot of, you know, from a corporation standpoint and from a, a staff standpoint. So maybe it is just, let's just rip it all down right now and ride this thing out and try to, you know, try to pinch some pennies as much as possible right now. And if it's possible, then we bring it back. I mean, I guess they officially haven't said we're done. That's sort of the, that's sort of the spin the media took. If you, if you, if you read it the same way I did, no, nobody from the XFL has officially said we're done. We're not going to be able to right. anymore. They've said we've suspended and we don't have plans to come back right now, which basically means we don't have the money to come back. But if the money's there, they yeah, can, they they can certainly stand in front of a podium. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess it's a little bit pre- presumptive to even talk about it in this way right now. But the timing was weird, not not because of the current situation. Where, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that go through this. But I just don't know why they had to, you know, go out there and say that to this degree right now. Why? There, there had there had to have been something logistically in the background that we're not going to find out about that yeah. th- they pulled the trigger now and not wait until Hopefully it's not like the the AF where they were basically just bleeding they never had yeah. the money they never had the revenue i don't think it was that because of the numbers you just gave us with me man but um, yeah i don't think that, uh, there might there might we might just be overthinking this right now it might just be we're in a rough time right now i mean the market's been so up and down a lot of these guys mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the income rides on that so you can understand people freaking out uh, to this degree. I'm hope, I hope it comes back. I think, I think it needed two years. Yeah, I do too. Um, and like I said, down here, a lot, a lot of people were ecstatic about it. it I, I would have tried to gone to a game, uh, uh, if I was able to, boat, huh? um, just, <laughs> I, too many things on weekends that just things didn't work out, but I mean, it, we'll it could have been in the plans. Yep. All right. One thing that's not getting canceled is the NFL draft. They're going to do a dry run next week. All 32 teams try to figure out how this remote thing is going to work. Uh, I think you're going to have some teams do better than others at this. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of the life we're all living right now. If, you, if you've tried to uh, FaceTime or Zoom with your family, you're going to have a couple of people who just don't get it. And a couple of people who, you know, they do this all the time in their life. And this is no big deal. So I think that's going to be fun. I kind of hope they record that, <laughs> the dry run. So that we can kind of see the hiccups and, you know, might make for some good TV down the road. Maybe a football life version one of the 2020 NFL draft. Um, we're not going to mock draft here. There's plenty of people doing that. We all have our our, our thoughts and ideas about how this thing could go. Uh, we had, like I mentioned, we had Joe Marino on last week on a show. I, th- I thought his insight was outstanding and he's certainly done his homework on a lot of this. So anyone looking for deep dives into team by team analysis on how this thing could unfold, uh, you know, after Joe Marino on Twitter for sure. Uh, but Scott, we're going to put our spin on it a little bit here. I've done probably more work than I should have done here on these current GMs, but I've got an outlook for all 32 teams and 
basically what they've done in the past in their tenure as a GM with their current team. I've sort of laid out some numbers. I've got some thoughts there. We've got to look at what their current draft picks are for 2020. And I say that because I just think, and I know Joe is a little bit more conservative with this, with this question. How do you think this is going to go from a trade standpoint? I mean, you track these trades for us on spot track during the draft. So this is kind of your, your baby. Uh, and every year I feel like you're talking that it's more and more work because there's more and more trades and not just the, the number of trades, but the depth to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, teams have, have really found out that they can trade their entire back of their draft <laughs> and, and get in, get involved on day two. Is that going to be downplayed this year because of the remote situation? I, I, I kind of laugh at that. I, we're hearing that narrative a lot. I, I laugh at that. I, I don't know. I, I don't have any trouble working remotely. I, that, right. It's just I, kind of, for me, it's just kind of business as usual. Don't you think these people can kind of figure this thing out? And I, yes, I do. And I think most of the time guys are in war rooms that aren't next to each other anyways. Yeah. On the, they're, it's not like they're walking across the aisle and shaking hands. We're trading this pick with you and, and, and bargaining necessarily right on the floor there. So some of them are still picking up a phone and mm-hmm. calling and making these trades. So outside of the fact that, you know, they're having to do pro days via zoom or Skype or whatever. And I still think they've had enough time and have done homework over the last year, uh, leading up to this, that the trades are probably going to be about the same, I would think. And you're right. I, I, I track every single trade that happens, whether it has players or not. And once you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, I mean, it's almost like every pick is being traded multiple times. And I, I think you'll see some of that still. I do too. I, I wonder if the reactionary trades will be a little bit less. So, you know, Houston moves up to get this guy, you know, kind of out of the blue. And that means the Colts end up doing that. We might not see that, you know, cause and effect kind of thing because these guys won't be in their elements. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, these environments are going to be different. So there could be a little bit less movement, maybe less, maybe a little bit more chalk than normal. I don't buy it. <laughs> I just don't buy it. Whether you're writing a, writing a name on a piece of paper and handing it to somebody to take up to the commissioner or you're calling a, making a phone call or however this is going to work, um, to me, it's just all the same process. So I expect plenty of activity. We're going to talk about it. These guys, well, a lot of these GMs, look, at you got a wide range. You got got a bunch of kids kind of new in the game. And then you got a couple, certainly some veterans. And then you got the Redskins who just <laughs> decided that they don't need to hire a GM. They're just going to let Ron Rivera and maybe two or three other people make. I, I don't even know how that's going to operate. You kind of live in that neck of the woods. What are people saying with this draft po- process in Washington? We Maybe we can work backwards here. Uh, is it, I is it Ron's to pick? I, I guess I really haven't listened to no. So I'm the wrong person to ask that question about. <laughs> uh, but looking at the amount of draft picks that uh, teams have here, some teams have so many draft picks yeah. that they're going to package these with another team. I mean, you you look at the Saints, they only have five picks. You know something's going to happen where they're probably going to do something to get some more picks in there, you would think. I mean, the Dolphins have, what, 12, 14 14 picks? There's no way they're keeping 14 picks. I'd be shocked by that. So um, I I definitely see some movement in, in that area for sure. 
Okay. You want to just run down here? But yeah. Okay? I, yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Steve Keim, Arizona. Boy, this is a team. <laughs> if you uh, if you didn't care about the Arizona Cardinals a month and a half ago, I bet you do now. I bet you do now because that DeAndre Hopkins move, mm-hmm. it uh, it just lit so much fire under that team, a, a team that was already charging. I mean, Murray was really coming into form at the end of last year. That offense was starting to click. You could see the Kingsbury offense really starting to come into form. I don't know. that this that, They're in a brutal division, but they're going to have to be contenders for a lot of people, and they're going to be a fantasy option for a lot of, a lot of people. This is going to be a team to watch. I, they haven't. I'm not sure they've finalized the schedule yet, which comes out in like a, like a month, maybe three weeks. Here, Arizona's going to have to get some primetime love. They're just going to have to. Right? I mean, this is an offense that could be super fun to watch. You kind of want to give Larry Fitzgerald his curtain call, which you can understand. I, I don't know. I think this is going to be a sneaky good team. Maybe not a contending team, but uh, a team to watch. This guy, Steve Kime, he's kind of gotten killed. He needed this. He needed this. And I got to give him credit for two things. One, the Hopkins move, which, you know, nobody's going to say no to that, by the way. But two, he's the guy that drafted a quarterback and then a year high, 10. And then a year later said, nope, not for us, not for us. And threw that guy to the curb, you know, you know, got a late pick from him and Josh Rosen and said, no, no, we're going to do this again. He's the guy that that made it possible for teams to think we can do this every year if we have to. He did it and successfully. Successfully, now you had to lose. <laughs> you had to you had to forfeit another year and tank yourself up to number one to get it done, but he did it. So I, I'm gonna give him credit for, on a recency bias. Nothing else really. There's really nothing else to talk about with the with the Cardinals over the past six years, which is basically his tenure. Um, you know, none of these numbers we have here, pro bowlers, pro bowlers per draft pick, all those things. I mean, he's made 53 picks. He's been fine. He's been fine. A lot of these picks aren't, aren't on the roster anymore. They've been, they've been plug and play kind of holes. Kyler Murray's the pick. It's the pick. It's the pick after the pick mm-hmm. too. It's Josh Rosen in then out and Kyler Murray. So if it all comes together and now you've got a guy like Hopkins to go with Christian Kirk and, and Larry Fitzgerald for a year here, I, like I said, that's that might be a must-see TV team, and if that's the case, I give him credit because it did it did start with this dramatic quarterback move. It's just something we haven't seen. Yeah, I think the Hopkins move helps them tremendously in the fact that they don't necessarily have to take a high wide receiver this year to pair with Larry Fitzgerald. They can use those picks on something other than uh, a, a top wide receiver. So yeah, and they transition tagged uh, Kenyon Drake. So from a weapon standpoint, they're in really good shape. Now they're going to have to replace Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I mean, you're going to want more weapons to come down, you know, to come down the line, but they can do that next year. Now they can absolutely do that next year. I heard, I've heard so many people say, yeah, but they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, but they also have to pay DeAndre Hopkins. No, they get to pay DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> they get to pay DeAndre Hopkins $45 million guaranteed while their quarterback costs 10. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Murray's already been paid his signing bonus. These next three right. years are going to be dirt cheap for the quarterback. And if he's as good as we think he is, of course they're going to be they're going to pay DeAndre Hopkins. Not maybe not this summer. Next summer, make sure he make sure the fit there. There's chemistry. I've said that before, but there's no problem with paying a wide receiver. <laughs> there's just not. 
Now, I understand some teams can't afford to do it because of their current situation, but Arizona's not one of those teams. Houston, I, I, I get it. I get it. We'll get to it. We'll get to Bill O'Brien. I'm, I'm going to try to control myself because I've gone off for a week and a half on Bill O'Brien. Um, but I get the difference between the Houston finances and, and the Arizona finances. Arizona's per- perfectly built to bring in pieces and pay them right now because Kyler Murray's dirt cheap. I love that they transition tag Kenyon Drake. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it is such a power move to not franchise tag the guy for a million and a half more, but basically just to say, no, you're going to have to live with eight and a half because we need that extra million and a half to go and do this. You know what I mean? It's such mm-hmm. a significant look at where the running back is right now. Like that's how little we think of paying running backs that we're, we're going to let teams make offers on you. And if somebody you know throws a three-year guarantee at you, you're gone. You're gone. We're not going to deal with that. Um, even after David Johnson's out the door. But th- they would have been perfectly happy to roll with Chase Edmonds and a draft pick. You're right. They've got a bunch of middle draft picks here. That's running back territory. They had them. They would have they been happy to use it if they had to. But he accepted the transition tag on $8.5 million. Everybody's happy for a year. Larry Fitzgerald's gone on a year. Kenyon Drake another decision in a year. I, I think this team is aligned perfectly. And if it all works out, you probably still don't pay Kenyon Drake, but you, you definitely extend DeAndre Hopkins and you go from there. Now you got two plus years of team control for Kyler Murray and you can go win some games. So I spent too much time on them. But like I said, a lot of uh, up and down, a lot of rocky roads for Steve Kime early on in that tenure. But this is a uh, this is an exciting little little couple of years here, and certainly this offseason added to that. So we'll see. This is a team to watch, no question. Uh, you and I had the, had the good fortune of seeing Thomas Dimitrov at the Sloan Conference way back in the day here. He's been around, he that, he's been around that long. He's an impressive dude. He's an analytical thinker. Uh, and this was in a time where analytics and the NFL were kind of against each other. They were button heads. So this guy was sort of you know one of the first ones into that thinking, that mindset as it, as it became to building rosters. He's done a nice job. He had a really good run. Let's give him credit for that run because it's been a bad couple of years. And I don't even know what to say about it. He's had to completely gut this defense now. He's lost some of the control, which you can understand. Many of franchises would have just flat out fired the guy after this fall off a cliff here. They have not won a lot of games in the last two and a half years. So you can understand he's on the hot seat. There's not many. I mean, they've got draft picks. They've got... They've got four, maybe five really good draft picks this year in the top 150. So uh, this is going to be the year to replenish that bank. They let a lot of the defensive players walk. Where are you with the Atlanta Falcons? I don't know. I don't know what to think about them. And boy, when you look at that division now, <laughs> yikes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, what, what do they do? I mean, they they've struggled on defense. They, we know the offensive weapons they have. They've brought in Gurley. They've made some moves. They lost tight end. Um, so right. they, they need to, with the picks that they have, they only have six picks right now. Obviously, that could change with trades and that kind of stuff. But with the picks that they have, they really need to use and uh, they, they need to make sure that they pick the right guy for, for their team and not, uh, take too much risk. So you I think, think safe? Because, yeah, yeah. I think they do need to be safe, and they need to pick the guys that are going to help them the most out of the gate right now. Uh, with the window of Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, I, I think 
you have to pick those guys that when games start, they're going to produce um, and, and not hope a guy's going to be able to contribute in a year or two uh, based on the window and based on the division. I mean, it's a slugfest. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I think a lot of these picks have to go to the defensive side of the ball because of the moves they made. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really agree. think this team and, and it'd be a reached at 47. They have they have a number 47 pick in the second round. But that's going to be right in that window where those superstar running backs are going to be living. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? The Dobbins and, and, and the Jonathan Taylor, they're going to be sitting there probably. Um, this is a team that probably should do that. And I realize that they've got other holes to fill. But you got Gurley on $6 million for one year. You don't even know what you have with the guy. You just don't. I mean, no. the Rams didn't know how to utilize him properly the past two years because they, they were just afraid of what could come. So unless you're happy with the other, the other guys on this roster from a running back perspective, and maybe they are, I, I think you go and get yourself a playmaker right there. Maybe this is a move they wait until 2021 to do, but for Dimitrov, that might be a year too late. So uh, they can probably hold off on a wide receiver early here. But I think you make a defensive splash in that first round, and then and then Dimitrov's got to get himself a, a running weapon to complement Todd Gurley. I, I just think that's probably the right move. We'll see. Uh, Baltimore, holy cow! I I didn't even realize Baltimore had this kind of ammo for this for this draft. And this is after acquiring <laughs> Campbell from Jacksonville for a fifth. Uh, this team now with New England, uh, you know, trending downward because of Brady leaving, obviously. Certainly the Chiefs are going to be up there. Houston's going to have a nice team. The Colts are going to have a nice team, I think. We'll talk about them in a second. This team, this Baltimore team, can only get better and better. One first, two seconds, two thirds, two fourths, a fifth, and a seventh. Uh, You can do some damage with that. And Eric DaCosta, who is the reincarnation of Ozzie Newsome, he he lived under Ozzie Newsome's arm for, for a bunch of years here before he took over the reins officially in 2019, this is kind of fun. This is kind of Madden video game stuff for him now. I mean, he's got a great roster. He doesn't have too many holes to fill right now. And he's got all this draft I'm going to work with. What are we, what are we looking at here? Because this is a team that could just add a ton of depth. They could play it totally safe, use most of these draft picks, load up on depth, go from there. Because this is cost-controlled depth. You know what I mean? They don't have yeah, to be bidding for yeah. agency. They can just Absolutely. make these picks. Uh, doesn't seem like that's their style, though. <laughs> They're going to be active, don't you think? They're going to slide up yeah. for somebody. Yeah, I would think so. They're, I mean, the amount of assets like you just listed out that they have, they could package those and go up and get a guy. Anywhere. That, they can go anywhere. Especially especially if someone they start they really like starts to slip in that first round, they could package a first in one of those thirds to go up in a, a I, few picks I think that's exactly it. what happens. They're sitting at number 28. I think they package two or three and they slide up into the top 20 for somebody. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, because why not at this point? Why not? If you get the one guy you love and then at that point, it's just depth and you can you can fill your depth as needed in day two and past. I, this team's exciting and it seems like they're about to get somebody else that can be you know impactful on day one. This is a, it's a good time to be a Baltimore Ravens fan. And thank God, because, man, if you're an Orioles fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I started doing some research on these baseball rosters while there's downtime. Good Lord. That's got to be a tough sell. Good thing there's nobody going to the stadium because I don't think there'd be anybody going to the stadium. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, Buffalo. That's where we're both from. There's been plenty of rocky years. I don't think anybody's super sold on Josh Allen, and that's probably where this conversation has to start because Brandon Bean has been extremely calculated with every move, free agency, trades, uh, extensions. You, you notice he hasn't extended anybody in that, in that core right now. No, no Matt Milano, no Tredavious White, no Deion Dawkins, even though we think those are coming. It's clear those are coming after the draft. So whatever plan he has for this upcoming draft, it involves players surrounding these players I've just mentioned, which is a good thing. You want to have plan A, plan B. Um, I don't think there's a there's a world where Tredavious White doesn't get paid from Brandon Bean. It's just things have to fall into place to make sure that everything can happen. And I think one of the things that will happen is Buffalo will get out. Buffalo will get out of one of these mid-round picks. I don't see them making all of those top those three top 150 picks there. Certainly, they lost the number one pick to get Stephon Diggs, and they treat that as their number one pick. They think right. they just acquired their number one wide receiver for a first-round pick and then some change. That's fine. I think I don't I don't think too many people are scoffing at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're probably going edge rusher in that, in that world. Brand he's like I said, calculated is the right word for Brandon Bean. He's, he came in with a game plan. He sold it to the ownership. He sold it to the front office. Uh, he brought McDermott in, in on that same uh, McDermott came first, didn't he? So, so he sold it to McDermott, of course. And the, it, it's sort of been a really nice marriage. Things have sort of worked out from the defensive side of the ball. And then it's now translated over to the offensive side of the ball. This is a team that definitely needs a running back. There's no question. I mean, you're rolling with Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon right now. So right. whether you go and pick one of these veterans off of free agency and like a Devontae Freeman or, or somebody like that to plug and play for a year and you go year to year, which isn't the worst idea in the world, or you use one of these top, maybe the third or the fourth round pick on one of these playmakers to go with a Singletary and you kind of double down, right, on these versatile running back slash wide receivers not the also not the worst idea in the world. So to me, that's something to watch. Other than that, he's in a similar spot to where the Ravens were, where they're mm-hmm. they're just filling some depth. And I'd, I'd be shocked if he made every pick. I'd be shocked if Bean didn't get out at some point and push some assets into twenty twenty one, where you'll be making real decisions on Josh Allen and players like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with that. So to me, that's how the Bills are going to operate. Nothing sexy, nothing flashy. I don't think they move up even though they've done that quite a lot in the past couple of years. It's just not that time. It's just not that time. They're not going to make a ton of free agent splashes from here out. Their cap is about $25 million. That's just about where you want to be to, to, to sign this draft class and go from there. So just another team that's rock solid right now financially and from a team-building standpoint, similar to the Ravens, although the Ravens have a lot more flash in, in draft assets right now. Carolina, Scott, I'm going to let you run with this one. Marty Herney's was the GM. He was a player personnel guy from a long time ago. He got bumped out for Dave Gettleman. We all know how that went. Gettleman's now with the Giants. We'll get to him in a bit. Herney's back, bringing Matt Rule from Baylor, bringing Teddy Bridgewater, bringing Robbie Anderson, uh, but also subtract Luke Keekley, subtract Greg Olson. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's been sort of a where are we for Carolina? I'm going to ask you that question exactly. Where are, Where is Carolina? <laughs> They are uh, probably trying to figure that out themselves. I mean, they have a first, a second, a third, a fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh. Right. Um, and while we're on the Panthers right now, looks like they're uh, extending Christian McCaffrey here. Really? Uh, Breaking four, news. Four, 
Yeah, four what am I years doing on the microphone then. <laughs> four years, sixty-four million dollar extension, so sixteen million a year AAV. Uh, so looks like who they want to be is with Christian McCaffrey now. Who? Well, let's all let's start. Top. Let's stop right there. I opened up ESPN.com this morning, and the first thing I saw was McCaffrey's going to get traded, and I laughed, and I laughed. I almost spit out my cup of coffee because while that might be the right move in this modern day. It just wasn't, it's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. This is the playmaker that teams are dreaming about. And yes, I understand he's going to cost a lot of money. And clearly that just came true. Um, so 16 million a year, right? That makes him the highest ever that puts, yeah, that puts him ahead of Zeke Elliott. There you go. That's the highest average paid running back in the history of football. We'll see how much guaranteed is on that 64 million, but I'm going to guess it's at least 32 of it, right? A little bit mm-hmm. more than half, maybe a little bit more than that. So, all right, good stuff, so breaking so, news. So, so th- th- that's who they are, Scott. That's who they are. So, they like right. this roster. They like this. So roster. they're gonna they're, they're gonna use those picks uh, around him and uh, Bridgewater here and, and get some assets. I I think you'll see them probably draft another wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, get and then uh, fill in some depth in, in that defensive area. Um, now let me push back. I, it may not be a wide receiver, but it might be a tight end. I think you probably got to okay. replace, you got to yeah. replenish that pool a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. I know they have DJ Moore and Samuel, they Robbie they Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. So th- they do have some some assets there, um, but maybe what you may see is in that again, like we've mentioned in some of these other teams already, in that third fourth fifth spot now that they do have McCaffrey locked up you may see another running back to complement him or be an off down kind of running back uh, because they do have oh yeah you can do that so yeah I think this is a team that could have been could have ripped it right down they could have not signed Bridgewater they could have let Cam walk they could have ripped this thing right down and tank for Trevor Lawrence they were in position to do that if they wanted to do that. That's clearly not what they're doing. Uh, and McCaffrey, look, we can talk about how he is a running back, but here's the stat from Evan Kaplan right now. Christian McCaffrey is the only player with 2,500 rushing yards and 2,500 receiving yards in his first three seasons ever in the history of football, ever. Mm-hmm. So if you think that they're signing this guy to be, to be just another running back and it's not going to work out, you can't look at it like that. This, no, you is, can't. this is a generational anomaly. This isn't even Saquon Barkley. This is way above that. And I realize that, you know, McCaffrey was not drafted number one overall, and he did not come with the clout that, that a lot of these players have in the past, Zeke Elliott included. Uh, there's a lot of people. And look, the valuation I had on McCaffrey, Scott, was $18 million, close to $18 million, because you have to treat him like a wide receiver. I mean, those are the numbers right there. How many wide receivers have 2,500 yards over the past three seasons? It's not many. It's not many. And you add 2,500 yards rushing with that, and this is a just a dynamic football player. you got to call him a football player, and he got paid like a football player today, $16 million a year. Still waiting on those guarantees. If we see it during the show here, throw it at me, Scott, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of break down where that ranks as well. But good timing on that, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's who the Panthers are. The Panthers are a secure team who now have a starting quarterback and a versatile running back slash wide receiver to go with three solid wide receivers as well that we mentioned there. They need a tight end. They need some more assets on the offensive line. They got to replenish. They got to somehow try to replace Luke Keekley. I don't know how you do that without a high draft pick, and they don't have – I mean, it, it's possible that that's where they go, I guess, high. We've seen 
that's about where we've seen these sneaky inside linebacker, versatile, horizontal in- linebackers go. Uh, maybe seven's too high for that. And so maybe it's a trade back is, is what I'm thinking. Maybe you trade back into the teens and you get yourself your, your somewhat Luke Keekley replacement in that you know, 11, 12, 13 spot if one of those teams wants to move up. And I'm sure the Vegas Raiders would consider that, by the way. So to me, that's the thinking. You try to replace Luke Keekley, You try to replace Greg Olson. You, you, you build the trenches out a little bit more depth. And you mm-hmm. go from there because clearly this offense likes who they are. That's, an, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing today with McCaffrey. All right, let's talk about the Bears. All right, the Chicago Bears have certainly been in the news of late, acquiring another quarterback to go on top of their rookie quarterback that they traded up to get three years ago. We don't really know much about the Bears right now. We know they acquired Khalil Mack, and they've paid him a boatload of money. We know Nick Foles is probably going to be the starting quarterback. And that's about it. I kind of have faith in this team right now, and it's blind faith. And I might get laughed at for saying this. But I, I, I sort of think I understand the, the synergy that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy have put into place here and why Foles had to be here and why Foles is a better fit than Trubisky. And I think admitting that, even though I, I can't believe they took on what they took on with the Nick Foles contract, admitting that is sort of Steve Kimish, right? It's, hey, Rosen's just not our guy. Let's, get, let's stop this. Let's stop the bleeding. We don't have to do this. Trubisky's dead cap isn't going to crush us for the next 10 years. We, we can just do this, right? Right. Uh, so I, I, I like it. I like the aggressiveness. You're in the Khalil Mack window. You're not paying Trubisky a ton anymore. Just do it. Do whatever you got to do to put some wins on the board. That appears to be what they've done here. And uh, if Foles works out, they're going to be kind of geniuses for doing this because it doesn't appear Trubisky's the guy. And what else matters but the quarterback position? So if he's not the guy, then the team's not going forward. I like it. I think this is a strong move. They've got a look. Look, Ryan Pace has five Pro Bowlers and 32 picks. Those are draft picks that he's made since 2015. So the guy's got a pretty good track record here. That's one of the better percentages we have on this list right now, Scott. And uh, you can hate him for a lot of the moves he's made, but. We're, we're going to laugh about the Foles move until it works, and then we're going to have to laugh at ourselves. Don't you agree with this? Well, yeah, and it's kind of refreshing to see a team sort of take a chance and you know make that trade. Like you said, we'll see if it works out or not. Uh, when we look at the picks that they have, they have no first, they have no thirds, they have no fourths. This is a team that I've, I would almost bet does some kind of movement as far as trades are concerned, especially with two six and two sevens. I think you may see this team trade up to get into the third round or fourth round um, or package those two seconds or, or or some combination, but the way the picks are laying out for the bears, I for sure would think that they're going to have some sort of movement uh, up into the uh, third, fourth round. Yeah. I think it makes a ton of sense. It only doesn't work until it works. That's that's how all these GMs have to think. And yeah, the moves you don't make don't help. So I, I give them credit for, for putting their neck out there and saying our quarterback isn't good enough for us to win games, enough games. And we certainly saw that last year. So doing, doing anything is better than doing nothing. Now, should they have gone back into the draft? They really couldn't because of everything you just laid out. The Khalil Mack trade yeah. was so damaging to their draft asset pool that they just couldn't do that this year. And this is... It's this year or no year, right? It's this year or no year. So 
that I give him credit. I think everything you said is correct. And it's all about the quarterback position. If you don't have that right, then you're not right. So like I said, if it doesn't work, then yeah. all the, all the naysayers on Twitter will have their day. But if it works, they're going to look like geniuses for a cup for a, a, at least a hot minute. Right. Yeah. And listen, they they were only 500 last year. So if for some reason this doesn't work and, uh, they move on from Trubisky, they have foals and their record is worse than it was last year. Mm-hmm. They may end up being in a situation where they can move up to draft a quarterback to fill in as a behind foals. If it's a gap year there and, and move on mm-hmm. as they need. So, I mean, it, it could be a win-win situation depending on how things fall. There's no question. There's no question. All right, let's move a little quicker here. The Bengals, super interesting. First of all, they've had Mike Brown in the front office since 1991. And can you can you remember any like phenomenal moves in the past 30 years? I I just feel like they've no. always been chalk, right? They yeah. kept they kept Marvin Lewis forever. They've had Dalton for, for what seems like forever. I mean, that's not they been the Car- case. Carson, Carson Palmer, Palmer forever. Yeah, he had to beg to get out. He, he had to literally quit, quit football to, mm-hmm. to get out of Cincinnati. These guys just fall in love with somebody and you don't leave. Put well, your- it's funny. You say they're chalk. Their picks are they have a first, a second, a third, yeah. a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh. They're chalk, chalk. all the way through. <laughs> chalk. And you can t- talk yourself all day into them trading that for number one overall pick for draft assets and not take Joe Burrow. <laughs> but this is just the wrong team, right? This is just the wrong team to really have that conversation about. That's that is this is that this is the biggest takeaway I've had from doing this research work. Is that any any notion I had that since he was gonna be, make this bold move and move back to three and still take Tua, but have all these draft picks now. Eh, it ain't happening. So that's that's the takeaway on the Bengals. So enjoy Joe Burrow. I hope he's great. I love the kid. Andrew Barry, the new GM of the Cleveland Browns. He's got Paul DePodesta, the former, you know, the Moneyball dude. That that's the Browns front office right now. Okay. You got the Moneyball guy. You got a young kid, tech savvy, analytic savvy, who's got a roster. This is not a bad. If you remember this time last year, we all had this team in the Super Bowl. Okay? Yes, <laughs> this yes. from Brown's team. So, this could be really fun to have a whole fresh set of eyes and a different mindset on this roster specifically. To me, it's just go and get yourself a left tackle, a real left tackle, not a plug and play guy. Somebody else's trash. A real left tackle that can protect Baker Mayfield, so that you can figure out if Baker Mayfield's even a quarterback. All right, because if he's not an NFL quarterback, then everything changes in 2021. But to me, that's the only thing that matters right now is because you've got Landry, you've got Beckham, you've got tight ends, Austin Hooper, and maybe Njoku if they keep him. You've got two running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I mean, this is a crazy solid offense. Just protect the heck out of Baker Mayfield and let him do some work. That's it. So outside of that, yeah, they've got a first, a second, two thirds, a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh. They've got ammo. They've yeah, they've got, got and they've got and they have weapons on their on their roster. So you can trade in Joku for maybe a third or a fourth as well, maybe even higher. So I, I expect all that to be in play. Like I said, this is a fresh set of eyes looking at this whole scenario. Uh, you know, not ample funds. That's he doesn't have that, unfortunately, in a small market Cleveland. But uh, to me, the sky's the limit with this roster, how it currently exists, what could be done. I expect a player trade, whether it, 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 leading up to the draft or during the draft, 
I think that could happen. I think there should happen with this team because obviously this roster isn't perfect or last year would have gone way better. <laughs> okay. Uh, and a lot of it is Baker. A lot of it is protecting Baker and Baker needs to figure out who the heck he is as an NFL quarterback. But I think there's a move to be made here from, from Andrew Barry in his first year. We'll see. Super interesting team to watch, of course. Speaking of interesting, nothing's more interesting than Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry's been in play since 1989. He's got 36 Pro Bowlers and 279, 279 picks. It's a pretty good number. It's a pretty good percentage when you, when you yeah, stack it up against the rest of it. We'll put all these numbers up on the site, of course. We'll have this post up, like I said, maybe tomorrow. Um, he's been good. He, and, and look. He, he, he gave up a, the number 27 pick for Amari Cooper. Nothing wrong with that when you've seen the rest of the wide receiver trades we've had now. The Bills gave up a heck of a lot more for Stephon Diggs, if you're looking at it that way. Um, they, 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 their quarterback came in the fourth round. All right, They didn't pay a couple of players that, they, that they, many teams would have, like the cornerback and a couple of safeties. Those guys walked into big money. You, you can kind of understand. They paid the edge rusher to Marcus Lawrence. They, they're doing this right. Now, you can argue the Dak Prescott thing is a disaster, and they should have just thrown the money at him last year so they're not in this scenario right now. But we talked about it a lot, Scott. To me, this isn't a mismanagement of money and contracts and finances. This is, I don't, I don't really know who Dak Prescott is. Mm-hmm. I've seen this guy for four years, you know, and if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm being Jerry Jones right now, and I'm saying I don't love him enough. I don't love him enough to guarantee him Jared Goff money. And the, and the Rams situation has to be scaring the hell out of every team right now because that's a team that went to the Super Bowl quickly. They, they pumped a ton of money into that core to keep it intact, and they fell off a cliff in, in a day and a half. That, that's got to be terrifying for teams because this isn't 20 and $25 million anymore. That's like $175 million that they're giving out to Gurley, to Cooks, and to Goff right now. That's what that is. That's real mm-hmm. money. That's big-time money to pump into a core that you think is going to be intact for the next four to five years. And that certainly is not going to be the case with the Rams. That's, what, that's think, what Jerry's worried about. Clearly. Do you, do you think that nothing has gotten done because he's waiting to see how this draft goes down and to see, yeah. is he able to potentially draft? What if one of these kids of these falls top, to him? Yeah, right, heck exactly. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's another reason why you don't do it. Um, he's, he's nickel and diamond for sure. He's, he's trying to get the fifth year out of Dak Prescott because if he's going to be here, we're going to spread the cap out. That's clearly what he's thinking. Uh, versus a Kirk cousins, who's fully guaranteed three years, high cap hits. Uh, you know, that's not what Jerry wants. That's not old school. That's what Jerry's trying to get. Still, you can understand it here. I got to say one more nice thing about Jerry Jones here. Cause I don't say enough about him. He has, he has taken his lumps and drafted boring-ass offensive linemen more than any other team ever does. He is not worried about the TV show. He is not worried about his image <laughs> on draft day. He's just not. He has taken guards in the top 10. He has taken centers in the top 10. He has taken tackles every year. And look, he can, he can now withstand a starting Pro Bowl center retiring in April. Okay, And not a lot of teams can do that. Not a lot of teams can handle that. He's got depth on the offensive line where other teams would dream of it. So I got to give him a lot of credit for that. He is not worried about being sexy, even though he'll go out in front of a microphone and say anything to anybody. And that's just, it's, it's sort of a bipolar situation that's going on here because he believes in the trenches. He believes in the offensive trenches because he understands that, especially with a high paid running back, we better have some blockers up front 
Uh, and now if he's going to have a high-paid quarterback as well. But I give him credit for that. He, he has prepared for this kind of a situation, injuries, retirements, things like that. Uh, and not a lot of teams can, can boast that right now. So good for him in that regard. Let's move to Denver. Man, another thing I took away from this, Scott, is John Elway has not done well. He just no. hasn't. And you can, yeah, you can talk about just too. quarterbacks because that's really where a lot of the conversations have come. I mean, he met, he's missed. <laughs> he's missed on quarterbacks. There's no question. But one pro bowler in 61 draft picks since mm-hmm. 2011. I didn't even that, That's another number. Of he's been the GM since 2011 already. My goodness, this is going to be his 10th draft. What are we talking about here? We're getting old. Uh, it hasn't gone well. There have not been superstars coming out of that homegrown system. He's, he's gone and got some people. Certainly Peyton Manning is one of them. Uh, I, I like to think that the Melvin Gordon move, and you can crap on it as much as you want. We've done our fair share of that. But this seems to be a, a, a breakout move for John Away, who's been chalk. He's been very uh, by the book. We, need, we have a need. We're going to fill it. Uh, whoever's there on our big board, we're going to take it. Um, and I think this is a move towards we need athletes. Right. And mm-hmm. we've already got a, a superstar in Phil Bl- Philip Lindsay, but he's an undrafted cost controlled weapon right now. We can go and pay a guy like Melvin Gordon, who's version two for uh, for that. And, yeah, he's overpaid. But when you offset how cheap Lindsay is, it all kind of works out. They're not going to be a throwing team. They've got Drew Locke. They don't know what they have in Drew Locke. They like the kid, but you don't want to put too much on his shoulders right now. So Melvin Gordon sort of fits that role. Right. We, we, we can push more towards the running game or the dink and dunk game, which I think Gordon and Lindsay will both be a part of heavily. And they've got a decent tight end and no offense. So to me, it's going to be a short-term six, seven yard route Patriot style offense that they're looking to push in 2020. I like the approach. I like that. He's breaking out of his normal Joe Flacco can throw bombs. Let's go get Joe Flacco. Cause that's the offense I want to run. To me, those days are gone at least for the short term. So I like that. We've seen a little shift in thinking with Elway. We'll see how the draft goes. Scott, what are the numbers? Pretty good assets here, right? Yeah, they do. They have a first, a second, three thirds. Which is a nice. Fourth, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths. Here, so here's the problem with those three thirds, as I say, as I look at that. That's where you get your running back. <laughs> yes. You could have you could have used any of those picks at like what? Seven million dollars for four years on a third round pick. Mm-hmm. But you gave Melvin Gordon sixteen. <laughs> yeah, so right. That that's troublesome. So yeah, but I, I I see that where you if you don't want three thirds, you could take two thirds and move up into the second round or something like that. If they see there's a guy that they really want and really like, so they they definitely have some wiggle room to slide up or even slide down if they needed to for some reason and, and, and stockpile some more assets if they wanted to. But yeah, no question. they they, they definitely, I I think they'll be active. I'm sick of talking. Why don't you run with the lions here? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So so we've got the lions. Bob Quinn is the GM since 2016. He's sort of, not as bad as John Elway, but he's had 19 picks and only one Pro Bowler out of that, uh, out of those 19 picks. They also have a slew of draft picks here. They've got a first, a second, two thirds, a fourth, two fifths, a sixth, and a seventh right now. Um, and I think with the Lions, you've got Matt Stafford coming back. I think they'll probably use one of those on some uh, electric probably wide receiver to give them some, some ammo there. Uh, do you think they'll try to go with a running back there? 
Um, I just really want them to stop trying to be the Patriots. <laughs> that's the first thing I want them to do. Yeah, that's um, a good point too. This team I, is ooh. so freaking interesting to me, Scott, because well, I, if their if their plan is to trade Matthew Stafford after this year, then their their thinking is all completely different than what we think they should be thinking. Yeah, I, w- and I was just going to ask you, who who do you think the Lions are? It's sort of like our question back up with the Panthers. Uh, we know Matt Stafford has been the focal point for the Lions for I- as long as we can remember at this point. Yeah, but, but back who, injury who scares me. Back injury on Matthew Stafford scares me because he's been mm-hmm. durable as heck, and now that's an injury right. you don't want your quarterback to have to deal with on an annual basis. So there's just a lot of reasons that I think they might move on next year. It was never going to be this year because of the finances and the dead cap. But next year is maybe, and if it is next year, you're in you're in the number three spot right now, right? You can mm-hmm. have anybody but Joe Burrow from a quarterback standpoint. Um, I don't or think do they you, do. It. I don't think they do. I, was, it. I think I they are the prime spot to be traded into by some other team to go and get Justin Herbert or whatever it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Tua, but um, I think they trade out of three is what I think, even though. I think the scenario we just laid out is perfectly plausible. If the plan is to move on from Stafford after this year, the, the thing is this, the thing is this, it's not like you'd be putting, you'd be putting them into an Alex Smith type mode. Mm-hmm. You remember that when, when they, yep. when they drafted Mahomes, they moved up to get Mahomes. They called him their guy. They basically had to bring in Alex Smith and say, look, <laughs> you're the guy the whole year. We're giving you the whole year. Okay. Cause we think you're, you know, you can get us back to the playoffs and we like you. We just gotta we gotta get younger and cheaper for our financial st- standings. If that's that's not a bad route to go at all, and especially with all this conversation we've had with you know the Rosen versus the Murray and the Dak Prescott on the cheap, con- it's the right way to be thinking. But can Stafford handle it? Do you know what I mean? Alex Smith is the perfect guy to do that to because you know he's you know he can handle that kind of situation, knowing the kind of guy he is now. I think Stafford probably could handle it. And go out and play lights out in 2020, knowing his predecessor is sitting on the, with a clipboard behind him. Uh, it's just not for everybody. So to me, a lot of that comes out, comes down to can is Stafford the right guy to do that to? And if he is, I think you're taking somebody at number three, right? Yeah, I, I almost think with the Lions, they in the amount of assets that they have in this draft, it, it may behoove them to not take a quarterback, get all of the assets like we've talked about, sort of reverse building, get get your wide receivers, get your running backs, get your offensive line uh, solid, fill in some defensive gaps if they, wherever those may be. And, and then if they stink this year, they can possibly be up for Trevor Lawrence next year. Yeah, but how much uh, – I don't know that Matthew Stafford can be terrible is the problem. And you're not going to ask them to be terrible. And 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 by the way, everything they've done in free agency leads me to believe that they're not trying to be bad. I mean, they're adding pieces. They're adding pieces. Uh, are we for sure know that Stafford's going to be back and in, uh, with his back healthy? as it is, mm-hmm. is he going to be healthy enough to even you know contribute enough? Or are they going to be throwing in guys off the street like we had last year? Well, that, there's some know, pretty good guys on the street right now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if they were worried about Stafford, you go get Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. My goodness. Um, right. But if, if you don't want those guys off those particular guys off the street and you just want the, you know, like the undrafted free agents that they threw in last year, can't even think of the names, uh, that they had play. I mean, 
they, David, like I said, somebody they, blout. Yeah. Blah, blah, uh, blah, blah. They, they may be in that situation where they can stockpile their assets now, build around and then get their quarterback next year. All right. So you want them uh, to trade out then? Yeah. Right. I, that, yes, I do. I think that's probably the right move. I just think it's more fun to talk about them taking a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go rapid fire on a couple of these because the Packers are boring. Look, this, yeah, they are. Th- but this new front office is doing things. Okay. They're, they're taking some free agents. They were, they were the second highest free agent spender last year after literally $0 of free agency for, for years and years and years. They didn't believe in it. One iota. I'm not overpaying for anybody. I can wait. I can draft. I can do it that way. They did it well for a lot of years. They're in a different mode, but they did dial it back this year. They, they made a huge splash last year to, to retool that roster. They, they made some cuts this year, right? They cut Jimmy Graham. Finally, my goodness. And, uh, you know, it's brought in some, some added weapons for, for Aaron Rodgers. They're going to have to pay Aaron. I think they're going to have to pay Aaron Jones. So that's coming. Uh, speaking of one, run, running back money. Outside of that, they've got 10 picks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have that, a lot of back into where they want to be. This is what they want to do is build cost-controlled draft picks through the draft. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. This, this, is a, yeah. this is just where they feel like they need to be, right? Yeah, they have picks in every round, but, but they're very heavy loaded in the background. So yeah. I, I think you're going to see them package those uh, and and move up into the hmm. third, fourth, maybe fifth rounder there. I mean, when you have three sixths and two sevenths, they're, they're not going to keep those. Um, I, I could for sure see them uh, moving up for somebody that they want to, uh, because those sixth and seventh round picks rarely uh, work out. I mean, yeah. we know Tom, Tom Brady's an anomaly, yeah. but th- those sixth and seventh round picks are usually b- barely make the team or or get cut. So I I could see them using those to move up, get some I guys. Think that's right, Scott. Get out of, get out of the back end a little bit more and yep. get yourself an extra fourth or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Uh, they didn't, they didn't get their tight end. And this is according to Joe Marino, this is not a tight end draft. So, you know, they may have to sneak up early to get one of those better tight end options, even though they're not going to be superstars as it is. Although I still think this is a landing spot for David and Juco and Joku. If Cleveland's going to trade him, I think this is the right spot to trade him. I do. I really do like that. Yeah. Okay. We're moving on here to Houston. I am. (laughs) Can we just skip Houston? Sure. All right. Bill O'Brien is officially the GM as of January something 2020, but they didn't even have a GM last year. I mean, they lost their essential guy. Brian gained the Bills. Uh, They were in limbo. They didn't do much in limbo. That's fine. And then Bill O'Brien got the keys to the car and he drove it off a cliff. That's that's where I'm going to stop this conversation. Look, I'll give him this. I'm going to be positive. I said it in the beginning of of the argument here. I understand them not wanting to pay DeAndre Hopkins $20 million, $21 million a year versus Arizona being wanting to pay DeAndre Hopkins $21 million a year. They've got to pay a quarterback $150 million. They've got to pay a left tackle $100 million. They've got to pay you know, two, two other defensive players in the next year and a half or so. There's weapons that have to happen. right? They just paid Randall Cobb a little bit too much money. They're, they're adding depth. They're, Bill O'Brien has taken his Patriots roots and he's applying it to this current roster because just flat out, he he's and he's the deciding factor now. He is saying out loud, I can't pay all these players. I, I am not keeping this roster intact at the prices that it's gonna be necessary it's gonna take to do so. Uh, the problem with this is, Scott, and I'll end on this, and I'll, I'll take your, your advice on this as well. You can't do all of these things and keep Deshaun Watson happy. And that's what I'm worried about. 
I'm right. worried that he is that Watson's going to have a sour taste in his mouth, and even when you throw 120 million guaranteed at him, that he's he's going to think twice about signing that contract to stay in Houston. That's what I'm worried about because the optics of how everything's happening right now, and, and the optics of Bill O'Brien going up there and saying, "Yeah, he's a nice player, but we had to get him out of town," or these these reported rifts that Bill O'Brien and these players are having. At some point, there's just going to be a breaking point, and you're going to lose a heck of a player in Deshaun Watson. That's what I'm worried about with Bill O'Brien is the optics of it. I think a lot of the moves do have some merit. Now, bringing in David Johnson has no merit. But if you had to do that, fine. Um, but I get it. You can't pay everybody all the time. They're not in a window where they can pay five players. They've got to pay the left tackle who they gave up my yeah. goodness for. And you got to pay Deshaun Watson if he'll stay. My, that's my worry, that they're, yeah. they're, ri- they're riding down the tracks and the, and the train's starting to wobble off a little bit. He's got to steady that ship. He's got to do it. He's got to have some kind of press conference where he eats crow and maybe he says that was a bad move, whatever it is. Because J.J. Watt's not getting any older, any younger and any healthier. He's just It seems like he's on his last couple legs here. And like I said, the Watson situation is questionable at best right now. Well, it, yeah, that, that's going to be an interesting thing over the next – 12 to 24 months to see, you know, if he does have that sour taste, can you imagine him going to the open free agent market at some point? I mean, he's with the amount of cap space that teams have, I know that they can option him and, you know, tag him and that kind of stuff. But if for some reason they don't do any of that and he hits the market teams with that ample cap space, Oh, they're going to eat him alive. he, he better trade him before he loses him if that's the if that's the case right. for sure. Well, that, yeah, that's where I was going. Oh if, yeah. If, if he's not going to sign, then and look, I'm not with, I'm not trying to uh to to go out there and, and give a hot take that Deshaun Watson is not going to stay in Houston. I just think there's been enough uh, emoji tweets from him <laughs> if, <laughs> if you followed along that you can understand that he's at least you know he 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 is as confused about some of these moves as we all are. Let's put it that way. So you don't want to get to a point where you get him to a spot where he second guesses staying, even if it's at an ungodly price. That's all I'm saying. You got to be careful. The optics are not good. That's the that's yep. the worst part about all these moves for sure. All right, Chris Ballard, the Colts. I like everything Chris Ballard's done. I think he's been calculated. He had a phenomenal draft in 2018. If you haven't seen the 2018 Colts draft class, check out the draft tracker on Spot Track and uh, and filter yourself to that. It was outstanding. It was an outstanding way to rebuild the team on the fly. Here's the problem. I don't love what he's done this year. And it starts with Phillip Rivers. It's super questionable. I mean, you had you had a carousel of quarterbacks to choose from, and you went all in on that guy for one year. Fine. It's fine. I just don't know if I trust it. I don't know if I trust anything about Phillip Rivers right now to be that guy. So that's all. I mean, there's, and then obviously you, you, you gave up the number 13 pick for DeForest Buckner, and he paid him $21 million a year. There's a lot of people that think that could work out just fine. But you gave up the number 13 pick, which is a cost-controlled number two. You know, it could be the second-best wide receiver in the draft is what, that, is what that could have been. And now the 49ers will probably get that. They're probably going to get that. So I, uh, they just they, they came in swinging big. After three, four drafts that were really calculated, really strong, super deep, really productive, he decided that this was going to be the year we're going we're gonna to take the chains off and we're just going to go swinging. And uh, he did that at the quarterback position, which is just something you don't tinker with too often. We'll see. I, I, I don't know your thought. Do you have anything to add to that? Nope, I don't. Yeah, Let's I think move we, on. I think we feel the same about Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Um, David Caldwell, I, I'm not going to say much about Jacksonville either because 
We, we mentioned the Foles move. He hung on to Blake Bortles too long. There's no question. David Caldwell in Jacksonville. He's drafted players that were the best on the board, even if he didn't need them. For instance, Josh Allen last year, the linebacker who, or the edge rusher, even though they had Yannick Ngakwe and they had Calais Campbell. They had to trade Campbell. They're going to trade Ngakwe. Ngakwe. He's, my, my point is he's had, a, he's had to move quickly through his classes, free agent classes, draft classes, because it just hasn't worked out. All right, he's had a lot of swing and misses. He's trying to plug in to athleticism versus needs in a lot of spots. That hasn't worked out. He's at a point right now where I don't know, I don't know how this is going to go. And if there's a front office and Caldwell and Doug Marone who have, are all on the same page and they're saying, we're ripping this thing down for Trevor Lawrence, then fine. Everybody's safe. That's the plan. Go and execute that plan. If not, Doug Marone is on a scorching hot seat and Caldwell's probably there too. If, if the plan is do the best you can with what you have, I think everybody gets fired after 2020. That's my that's my take on the Jaguars. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And they have so many assets in this draft. I mean, they have two firsts, a second, a third, and then a slew between four to seven. So, I mean, they have a lot of picks that who knows what they're going to do with. Um, yeah, 12 picks. No way they're making them all. No way they're no. making them all. So this is a team to watch moving forward. Maybe moving on. Uh, like I said, they're going to have to trade. <laughs> I mean, Yannick Ngakwe has said a, a dozen times, get me the heck out of town. So they're going to have to make it work. And maybe they can do that with draft picks to make it happen. We'll see. All right. Quickly here, Kansas City. Yeah. Brett Feach walks in, says, we got to draft Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't even the GM yet. It was still John Dorsey. But he was, he was an integral part of scouting Patrick Mahomes and basically getting into that into the Andy Reid uh, front office and saying, this is the guy we need and we're going to do it now and we're going to make Alex Smith play out a year and then we're going to make him the guy and he's going to win us a Super Bowl in two years. And that's exactly what happened. Nothing else to talk about here. They're up against mm-hmm. the cap. They always ride up against the cap. Uh, and he's doing everything he can to keep it, keep this thing intact. He restructured Sammy Watkins. He tagged Chris Jones. He likes exactly what he has. And that's that's fine. He's got a, He's got a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. I think there's no way he keeps all those. No way. Unless he's planning to cr- trade Chris Jones, which could happen. There's teams that have, that have asked. He's traded tags before. Um, and if that's the case, then you use the picks appropriately to replace Chris Jones. Other than that, I think he gets out of the first. I think uh, he, he tries to package himself some third and fourth round picks that are more cost controlled. Because like I said, he always rides up against the cap. <laughs> he just does. So you got to control yourself, your finances a little bit where you can. And you can do that right now in, in the draft. Mike Mayock. I know you and I were, uh, were fans of him on the NFL Network. He's a real analytical thinker, real smart thinker, real calculated guy. He seems to have brought that approach, and I think they needed it in, in the John Gruden system because Gruden kind of came in and took a, took a bunch of axe swings at the, at the totem pole here. I mean, Khalil Mack gone, Amari Cooper gone. That's before Mack even got in the door. Mack has sort of settled the ship a little bit, but he has also made some, some picks that were way against the grain. I mean, if you remember a couple of those first picks last year in his first draft, not even the NFL Network guys who were probably texting him as the pick was being made knew what was coming. I mean, that's how how crazy a couple of those picks were last year. So he's clearly mm-hmm. doing his own version of scouting, and we'll see how that works in this in this 2020 draft. He's got two firsts. That's the benefit of trading to Marty Cooper. Um, I don't know. Two firsts, two thirds, a fourth, and a fifth. Is it going to be exciting? This is a team that Joe Marino thinks could move up for Tua. 
Yeah, I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. I mean, that I would mean, certainly be against the grain, having Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota already under contract. <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of smart people that think that they're at 12 right now and they jump into the top 10 to get to a, now maybe it would be exactly for what we've talked about with Stafford, Scott, maybe you give Derek Carr one more year and you, and you let Tua sit behind him for a bit. I don't know why you would sign Marcus Mariota, but, uh, look, this is the, this is the hot take right now going out there that the Vegas Raiders are in on Tua. I'm not buying it, but we'll see. Like I said, Max been all over the board. So keep an eye on that team as well. Chargers finally got rid of Phillip Rivers, and I have to say it that way because this is a really good team. He has done a really good job drafting 46 picks in tw- since 2013. He hasn't made a lot of picks. He trades a lot of them. His defense has been phenomenal, and it's almost all homegrown. They all got injured in training camp last year. Otherwise, I think we're having a completely different conversation about the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Uh, that, that team should be back in form. You should have two monster pass rushers in Ingram and Bosa. You should have really good safeties and two and, a, and now two good cornerbacks. They signed Chris Harris up from Denver. I like everything about this defense. And if you look at the offense, there's a reason a lot of people thought Tom Brady was going there. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, uh, Austin Eckler now under contract. That's a pretty good little uh, little arsenal to work with. So whoever the quarterback is going to be, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, whether it's Jordan Love, whether it's Tua, whatever they do, this is probably the team we think moves up into Detroit's number three spot, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, it, like you said, they have a lot of great weapons already on that team. They just need a, a quarterback to fill in. I don't think Tyrod Taylor's their option. Um, no, not long so, term, but I could see it for no. a year. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But I, I think you're right. This is a team that most likely is probably going to either have to move up or maybe they don't move up at all. And if they see Whatever things are starting lap. to slip. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's possible. And and look, here's another point to be made. With this offseason going the way people think it's going to go, no training camp, no mini camp, no workouts, Mm -hmm. you're not going to see Jordan Love and Justin Herbert starting week one. No, you won't. That's just just ludicrous to think. Do you know what I mean? No experience. You're just going to throw them in without having run the offense in practice. It's just, I mean, if they're not, if there's not a full-fledged training camp, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know. I'm not saying anything medically about about where we're going, but I just think with everything we're going to miss out on from a physical standpoint in in the NFL this offseason, it's it's not going to be like other years where Baker Mayfield starts week one, where Josh Allen is there by week three. I just think you're going to have to let and these guys aren't aren't necessarily, you know, elite superstar prospects as it is. Right. Right. This is the year if you're going to have a quarterback sit. And learn. Exactly. This is the year. You've got, yeah, you've got an excuse. That's another reason, right? You've mm-hmm. got an excuse. All right. Uh, boy, the Rams. I did an entire episode on the Rams last week. I don't need to get into it. Les, yeah. Les needs on the hot seat. There's no other way to look at it. Les need is on the hot seat. The Rams need to win 10 games right out of the gate. And he needs, he, he needs to make four great picks. He doesn't have a first. Gave up this first for Jalen Ramsey along with another one. He's got two seconds. He's got two thirds. There's a four really powerful picks still. He's got to hit. He's got to hit on him. He's got to replace the wide receiver in Brandon Cooks. He's got to replace Todd Gurley, most likely, even though he's got a couple of backs on the on the roster already. Uh, he's got to do it. He's got to replace Corey Littleton. He let him walk, obviously. This is a big, big four, first four picks for, for less need. And he's got to hope that Jared Goff gets it right with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and a couple of good tight ends and can go out and win 10 games. Because otherwise, I think he's really on the hot seat this year. Yeah. Yep. I have nothing else to say with that. Who are the Dolphins, Dolphins. Scott? 
Yeah, I was just who, who are the Dolphins and their fourteen draft picks? What are they doing? Because Scott, I'll I'll lead you with this. I don't think they're taking a quarterback. <laughs> I don't. No, I, I to what I said with the Lions. I think this is a year that with the amount of picks that they have, they they have three first, yep. two second, a third, a fourth. Out of those picks right there, you can restock your entire arsenal of and they need to. players. They need to. They need to restock yeah, the offensive absolutely. line. They need to restock the, the safety position. They need to do that. I think with those fits, you could probably get some depth. But those six, the six and three sevens, you know what? I would not be shocked if they do some kind of trade where those turn into 2021 fits or sixth or, or something um, where because there's no way that they're going to draft 14 players no. or they're or they're going to package some of those to move up. But those those top three rounds that they have right now, they need to get every single player that is going to make them better for next year when they draft a quarterback. It's just what they have to do. Okay. I'm going to give you a scenario because this actually has been on the back of my mind here for a while. I think the Miami Dolphins, either in the second round or they trade back into the first round late, 32nd pick or something, I think they take Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, to me, is the perfect guy to say, we're just going to take a look. We're just going to see. What if he's Russell Wilson? Right? Mm -hmm. What if he's a guy that wasn't a top prospect you know, he's just on the fringe of those of those quarterback prospects. We like him. He's a winner. There's no question he's a winner. We like his athleticism. Let's just get him on the roster, put him behind Fitzpatrick for, for training camp in a season. And if and if if he if it clicks, if he gets it, lightning in a bottle. And if not, it's it's a ten million dollar contract for four years. You know what I mean? You can do whatever you want to do with it. And then in twenty twenty one, you're gonna you're gonna do whatever you're gonna do anyway. I I just think I'm not saying they're not going to draft any quarterback. I think they're not going to push up and draft the quarterback. Right. I think they're going to take yep. a guy, and I think Jalen Hurts is a perfect the guy to to say let's let's go boomer busting this guy in the second round. We've got five picks in the third in the first and second round right now. To me, that's the right move. It's it's Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Let's just see what we got here. It worked out there. Maybe this will work out. I think that's the right play for Miami because. They're perfectly content with Fitzpatrick or maybe Rosen. I don't think it's Rosen, but Fitzpatrick and a young roster. And then you just load up on all these other needs. Like you said, I think. It's well, like- that's that's the benefit of having 14 picks is you can take those chances. You yep. can draft a player or two that eh, not everyone is great on, but we know our player development is really good. So we're going to bring them in and see what we can do with them. Yeah, there's no question. Rick Spielman is the. One, I think the best drafting GM of, uh, uh, let me say it again. Rick Spielman is the best active drafter of all the GMs, percentage-wise, based on what we're looking at here. 16 Pro Bowlers out of 120 picks since 2012. That's basically 13% a pick is a Pro Bowler. <laughs> that's pretty darn good. That uh, is. That's pretty darn good. And you can see it on the roster. That's a homegrown roster. He's, he's picked and choose who, who he's going to pay. He's been good about that. I don't think he's paid too many players that you don't love to see. You know, they haven't regretted too many of his contracts. Is my is my point. And I don't think they regret Kirk Cousins either. By the way, I think that was a, that was a pretty darn good move as well. They didn't pay Bridgewater. They understood that where where that was going. They let him walk, and that was probably the right move as well. So I just think 
you got to give this guy a heck of a lot of credit. I realize they haven't got to the finish line, but they've been pretty darn close on an annual basis. I think they're going to be right back there this year, even though they've lost Stefan Diggs. Give me the draft pick, Scott, because this is this is why you can you can get rid of Stefan Diggs, right? Yeah, absolutely. They have two firsts, a second, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, two sixths, and three sevenths. I mean, sort of the same conversation as the Dolphins. They have a ton of picks here. They can take either a chance if they want, or they can stock up and get depth and exactly. get get the, another wide receiver. In the best wide receiver draft picks. class we've seen. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need digs in his contract when you can replace and if it. For, and if for some reason they want to, I mean, their two first round picks are at 22 and 25. You package those yep. to somebody to move up into the teens and then you make it something, the wide receiver that, uh, is, that is better than the wide receivers that are, would fall to the twenties there. So I, I think that's, probably what they may do. Um, but like I said, they have a lot of picks here that they can package and move and, or even take the risks if they need to. I like it. All right. right. Let's get to those Patriots. It's a new, it's a new era for Bill Belichick. I think any other year, Bill Belichick trades out of this first round pick, like always stocks up on his seconds and thirds and fourths and does his damage there. Everybody with a, with a brain kind of thinks this is going to be the exact opposite this year, that Belichick's going to have to move up and make a splash. I don't necessarily think that's going to be for a quarterback, Scott. I still think they can just go get a weapon. Just go get a surefire weapon. If this is the wide receiver draft class that everybody is is salivating over, go get something better than to kill Harry, right? Go get somebody who's more surefire. Put him in with Harry and Edelman in this group and let whoever's going to, going to have the reins, whether it's Hoyer or Stidham, go and... I mean, they can still get a quarterback with a third-round pick. It's fine. They've done it before. They've traded three, you know, plenty of quarterbacks they've drafted in the third round. So I, I just don't think they're going to push all the way up to, into the teens to draft a quarterback this year. Um, I think it's perfectly logical for them to say, let's just plug and play, get a better weapon, you know, whatever they have to do to make the offense more explosive with whatever quarterback that they think they can settle on for 2020. And then if they have to rip it up, go and do, go and do damage in 2021. That to me, that's the mindset. You may have a different thought, huh? My my thoughts on this are don't overthink it. Okay. They, they, they drafted the wide receiver and Harry, but then we saw two wide receivers that were better than Harry that they could have drafted. They have a lot of picks here. Their track record is they usually package and, and back down. Um, I, I can't tell you the amount of picks that I've uh, that I've mapped over the years where the Patriots just keep moving back and moving back and moving back. Right now they have a first, three-thirds, four-fifth, four-sixths, and a two-sevenths. I for sure would see them packaging them to move up to get something, but I think this is a team – that they can't overthink the picks that they do um, because their the track record that they've had, I, I don't think has been stellar. You may disagree with me, but I don't think the, the draft picks that they've had have lit the world on fire or they've missed completely on them. So that's where I'm going to go with the Patriots. They've been terrible drafters. 
<laughs> They've been terrible drafters. I know the percentages look pretty good from a Pro Bowl standpoint, but when you win a lot of games, you're going to have a lot of Pro Bowlers. That's just sort of how it works. The Pro Bowl is kind of a jaded mm-hmm. metric as it is, but it's a it's a decent one to use when, when you're talking about individual players. Mickey Loomis is a different story. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mickey Loomis has been involved with the Saints since 2002. He's essentially made 115 draft picks. 15% of them have been Pro Bowlers. It's pretty darn good. <laughs> That's pretty that darn good. And here's the thing. And, I, and I, the notes I made are a little bit different than I made with other teams. Sean Payton's system, there's no question it's crazy complex. So when you're, when you're identifying a, a prospect for the Saints, I think a lot more has to go into it than just your natural you know, metrics, character issue, all those things. I think, it all, I think they're looking for five tool players all the time. And that's got to be a really hard way to draft. But it also might be a factor and why his percentages are so good as a GM because he goes that extra mile to, and he's fitted it into a system that he knows is going to work. So he knows exactly the kind of players from a positional standpoint that are fitting into Sean Payton's hall of fame worthy system. Um, so I think one hand kind of feeds the other here for sure. And that's why they've been successful for so long. Not a lot of draft picks five, right? Scott. Yeah. Five, a uh, first, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. They're up against so, the cap as usual. I, I'd be. I think they get out. I, I do I think too. I was just out. gonna say. I think they they get out of that first round. They get a couple more picks out of it yeah. and see what they can get from there. Yeah. What's interesting is that they're operating right now, most likely in Drew Brees' last season. So whether that changes the mindset at all based on what they've done in the past, I don't think it will because I I think a lot of people think Taysom Hill is just gonna take over from there. So the roster is kind of already intact. But it just, I wonder if that's going to have any kind of effect at all on how things operate. We'll see. Dave Gettleman went from Carolina to the Giants. It was a controversial move when it happened. And then he selected Saquon Barkley, number two overall, a more controversial move. Then he traded Odell Beckham Jr. after paying him a $21 million signing bonus, a more controversial move. Then he kept Eli Manning two years longer than he should have. And eventually landed on Daniel Jones, which actually could work out, but we're going to have to wait and see. And until that works out, this just this, there's just nothing really good to say here outside of the fact that he's got some draft picks to work with, but they're late, right? Yeah, they are. They have four sevens um, and then a six chalk. and a five. Yeah. But I mean, chalk from there. But yeah, he I, hasn't. Like, here's the thing that Dave Kettleman hasn't done a good job with anywhere he's been. He has not manipulated the comp- compensatory draft pick system well. And if you're going to be a team that's in flux as much as the Giants are right now, you know, and much of this NFC East is, by the way, you've got to win that side of it. And they're not. Howie Roseman you know, is the, the king in Philly at this. He's, we're going to talk about why he's done it again. But you've, you've got to win that round because that gets you third and fourth round picks. And those well, are legitimate you know, players. You know who does this really well has been Baltimore <laughs> of course. that we talked about. That's why they're where they are right now. Exactly. Darn near Super Bowl con- uh, contenders with a plethora of draft picks. Yeah. To me, that's the one thing Gettleman's got to do a better job at is letting some of these guys walk on, on option contracts and securing some compensatory draft picks. You got to do it. And they play too much free agency. They play too much free agency. They sign too many players to, to lose that formula. That's why they're, that's why they're sitting with a, a stockpile of seventh-round picks and not fourth-round picks, that, to be quite frank. The Jets got Joe Douglas in the fold after uh, Adam Gase did... Well, Adam Gase things for a year there. Uh, we'll see if this can work. Joe Douglas has a pretty good mindset to him. 
He's got four top 80 picks uh, under his belt heading here in the end of the draft. He's got a Ravens background, Scott. You mentioned it there. So they're going to have that kind of mindset. They're going to be thinking comp picks. They're going to be thinking, uh, you know, trade six-round picks, the tournament of fourth-round picks, things like that. You know that's the mindset. Sam Darnold's got two years and a fifth-year option left on that deal. He's been injured. He's been up and down. It's been a, a rocky road for Darnold, and he doesn't have a lot of weapons. They lost Robbie Anderson. There's not a lot of not, lot to work with there, especially now say, in a year where. A, go ahead. This is this is probably a team that definitely is going to have to draft one of those high wide. They're going to have to move up, right? I think they're going to have to package and go up because they got to get somebody that's going to be a, a day one starter for them. So mm-hmm. I agree with you there. I mentioned Howie Roseman. He's been the king of the compensatory draft kick, draft pick system. It's why even though he spends a ton of money. He moved. He restructured cap all over the place. He's always up against the cap. Um, it's why he continually has day two draft picks to work with because he understands how this system works from day one. He has abused it to its power legally, and uh, he's going to do it again this year. First, a second, a third, three, fourths, a fifth, and a sixth. That's what you want to be if you're a good team, and they they need to use this first-round pick on a wide receiver. There's no question about it. They've got Deshaun Jackson, who's on his last legs. Alshon Jeffrey, we don't even know if he's going to be healthy, and, and they've, he's got a contract they just flat out can't get out of. So that's a team that is very happy that this is a wide receiver draft right now because that's a, they have to replenish that for sure. Let's move mm-hmm. on to the Steelers, Scott. Um, Big Ben's sort of on the, on the back end for sure. There's some rumors they're going to take a quarterback because Mason Rudolph isn't the guy there, even though he's, you know, for a lot of reasons, he's, he's had it <laughs> taken his lumps, let's put it that way, no pun intended. Um, Kevin Colbert's been around since 2000. He's, he's got 19 pro bowlers, pro bowlers out of 161 draft picks. Pretty solid. And if you think about the position players and the, and the, uh, the weapons he's drafted over the years, he's just, it's just been steal after steal after steal. And eventually they're yeah. going to have to lo- relock and load this roster. It feels like to me, Scott, and I mentioned it with a couple of teams ahead, it feels like they might be one of those teams in, in their, with their second round pick to take one of those running backs, one of those versatile ground game, but also can catch the ball kind of running back. I know mm-hmm. Connor's a nice player. I don't think James Connor's somebody you get a contract to. So if they need to replace him and also improve the offense and build it around an aging Ben Roethlisberger, to me, that makes the most sense. They got a kid right there in Cleveland from Ohio state there and, and Dobbins, who I think could be a really nice pick for this team. Uh, just feels like that's where they're going. They don't have a first round pick because they traded it from Micah Fitzpatrick, who in hindsight, that was a, Phenomenal move, just a phenomenal move. That, with only six, with only six picks, do you think they're in line to draft a quarterback to sit behind? I know they have like four yeah. quarterbacks on their roster right now, Paxton Lynch and that kind of stuff. But uh, do you think they're going to take a shot at a quarterback again here, just to sit behind Ben potentially? It's tough to tell. It, it's tough to tell if they if they just feel comfortable. Uh, using Mason Rudolph in that role for one more year and then using the 2021 draft when they're going to have more assets. Um, I just think that's probably where they go is they, they don't, I mean, if it's a fourth round pick, it's a fourth round pick. That's fine. But I think they probably mm-hmm. wait until 2021 if I had to guess. Yeah. Boy, John Lynch had it good. <laughs> he took the job in 2017 in San Francisco. And all he did there is he, he traded a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then he drafted George Kittle in the fifth round. So <laughs> outside of that, Things have gone swimmingly for John Lynch and the 49ers. Super Bowl runner-ups. Uh, he's got two Pro Bowlers and 27 picks already. That's that's already a nice little percentage. He's going to have more this year. D 
Debo Samuel's a superstar in the making. They're going to have the number 13 pick probably to add another wide receiver to replace Emmanuel Sanders. It's really nice stuff. It's really nice stuff. That defense is deadly even after losing to Forrest Buckner. They've, they kept everybody else, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, and Richard Sherman has certainly been worth the price of admission. It's just good stuff. I mean, if you're a 49ers fan, you've been waiting for this rebirth ever since the 80s. It seems like they're going to have a, a stretch of a couple of good, really good years here. And John Lynch is a big part of it, so i got to give him a ton of credit for sure. Yeah, you do. Seattle, uh, quietly just do what they do. And John Schneider is a huge part of this. If I had to rank GMs, and I've seen a couple of websites do this, I think he'd be my number one GM in the league. And I understand there's stiff competition now, and Howie Roseman and those players all have an argument. But this guy has been so consistently steady. He's done everything right. He has worked the comp system. He has worked day two running backs. for. He's, he's been doing this forever, day two running backs. He's stuck in to get Rashad Penny late in the first round. Uh, which you've seen a couple of good teams do just to lock in that fifth-year option so they can have it. it it's just, he, guy just gets it. Guy just gets the whole CBA. I'm sure he's doing his homework on this new CBA to understand how he can abuse that one a little bit. <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. He's very, very calculated, and him and Pete Carroll together has been a really solid one-two punch for Seattle for now a long, long time. 2010, John Schneider. T- over 10% of his draft picks are pro bowlers. That's that's pretty good stuff for 11 years yeah, worth of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, nothing to say there. I think they can. I think there's probably a player trade to be to be made in Seattle, and they're they're looking for an edge rusher still. So whether that's with their, you know, five first four rounds of picks, or they do end up going and signing Clowney, we'll see what happens. What do you think about Tennessee overall? Just the overall, what they've done this offseason and what they might do with the draft. Um. Well, they we we know that they signed Tannehill. Yeah. Thoughts there. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. I, I have no issues with it. I have it, it is what it is at this point. Sure. You, you've got Derrick Henry. So and they what they drafted AJ Brown, I believe, last year. So they have some weapons around him. I, I could see them getting some more weapons out of the they have a first, a second, and third. Um so I could see them getting some more assets, uh skilled uh, weapons for Tannehill to see if he can thrive. And then do they, they replace have a, Derrick Henry, Scott? I don't know. Cause they lost the end Lewis. So they're thin for sure. And, and they Henry, are. Henry's on the tag. Uh, we don't yet know if Henry's going to play on that tag. Has he signed it? Actually, I think he signed it. Yeah, I think he signed I it. I think he signed it. All right. So yeah. he's going to, he's willing to play on the tag. I'm sure he's looking for a long term. I guess I, I'm not going to speak for anybody whether that's coming or not. Uh, uh, I think we'll know if it's coming. Right? If they use a second or third round pick on a running back, which I think is completely in the cards here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's you need a right tackle. You lost Jack Conklin. You need a cornerback because you're weak there. And you need to replace, you, you need to find Derrick Henry's predis, you know, you know, successor one way or another. So I, if it's, if it's a second round pick, I think we know what's going to happen with Derrick Henry because the, because the, yeah. the Derrick Henry contract deadline is July 15th and the draft's in two weeks. So I think one hand's going to feed the other there, right? Yeah. And he's a North South slam exactly. the ball up the middle. So you could, I could see Tennessee drafting a wide, a wide receiver running back where Kamara you know, type player. Uh, sure. Yeah, exactly. Kamara type um, to, to, Lessen that load for Henry. I mean, we know he he just destroys anybody in his path here. I, I think, could see. That. I think one of the reasons he hasn't been signed already is because he doesn't catch the ball. 
So your point is completely yeah. valid. That's why Christian McCaffrey has a big contract right now and Derrick Henry doesn't. So Exactly. Um, yeah, and they have three seventh rounders, so I could see them moving up into potentially a fourth or a fifth rounder, depending on if they package some picks from next year in, in there to move up a bit. So, um, yeah. I think they're worried about being the Jaguars. If you remember, yeah, this with is exact. Well, no, this is exact. The, the Tennessee run last year is almost identical to what happened with the Jaguars, when Blake Bortles almost beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, went to the Super Bowl. They gave him a three-year extension, and he fell off a cliff, like everybody kind of in, yeah. knew he was going to do. Good um, point. I think that's where they're worried about with Ryan Tannehill right now. And they guaranteed a ton of money and and basically three full years, which is what Bortles got. Um, I think they're going to be very cautious about what they do over the next 12 months because they need to make sure that (laughs) everything that they've done wasn't just a one year one, you know, a one hit wonder that they can sustain this thing a little bit. But to me, that means you don't sign Derrick Henry. That's what it means to me. So we'll see a couple months left on that. Redskins, anything else left to be said on the Redskins? The quarterback stuff with the Redskins is so freaking interesting. I could talk about it all day. I mean, yeah. you got Alex Smith on basically who knows, but he's still fully guaranteed this year. Uh, you've got Dwayne Haskins on who knows, but he's fully guaranteed for the next three years. You brought in uh, Kyle Allen to, to match with, sync up with Ron Rivera. Again, that's a whatever. That's a who knows. You could have signed Cam Newton. I, they're definitely not going to do that yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they're taking Chase Young, right? I'll. I would think so. Would you bet your mortgage on it? Unless, no, I wouldn't bet my mortgage on it, but unless somebody comes in and gives them a stellar deal, um, they're probably taking him. So Haskins gets the, gets the week one start. I'm still saying no. You think it's Kyle Allen or you think it's Cam Newton? I'll go Newton. Do we know anything about Alex Smith that you're kind of in that neck of the woods? Have they said anything? Can Alex Smith ever play football again? I don't know. I don't either. Um, he's, he's still recovering. I, I don't know if he's ever going to play again. I, I think the Redskins are going to see what they can do in this draft. And then, like you said, maybe they bring in Newton. But I, I still don't think Haskins is his week one starter. That's just my guess based on what I've. As usual, the Redskins are must-see TV. They just are, we, especially the well, offseason. That's where they, thr- they shine. You, you skipped over the box. I know I did? all those. Oh, all those what Tampa, they, yeah, but what Tampa, did they do this year? <laughs> <laughs> all, all those Buck fans are saying, hey, don't forget us. <laughs> they pretty much have chalk. They've got two fours. They, they snagged themselves a comp pick. Uh, they did some good business there. Look at They don't really need to do too much here. They got to they got to they got to plug in some defensive pl- options for sure. And they needed a couple of safeties. I think they probably go with a running back somewhere in those middle rounds, maybe in the second round. Uh, I know Ronald Jones still has time to break out, but this, there's no time like the present right now for Tom Brady and his two years guaranteed. Uh, yeah. you got to go and as many weapons as Tom Brady says you need, you got to go and get them. So yeah, you I, do. uh, I imagine it's going to be a little bit more aggressive than they thought they were going to be that they've done well. They've been a good drafting team. They really have. And that's why Brady chose that offense. I mean, those, those homegrown uh, weapons are pretty fun. So whether or not they can stick around is moot at this point. It's all about the next two years. We'll see. I think it's going to be pretty conservative. You go and get what you got to get and go play some ball in Tampa Bay. It's a fun time for them for sure. I, I apologize for skipping over them. Anything yeah. else to add, Scott? 
No, I don't. This went about an hour and a half longer than we thought it was going to go. So that's good. Uh, (laughs) No, I think it's I think it'll be an interesting draft, uh, even outside of it being uh, all remote. Um, I I think that'll add a a new element to it. Not that we necessarily wanted that element. What's what's the protocol going to be for when the somebody's Zoom locks up? What do you think? Uh, I mean, is Roger Goodell going to have his own stopwatch clock or something where he's just going to be able to pause it? (laughs) Maybe. Or, or they have each, um, each team has multiple zooms up, uh, multiple computers or devices logged in. So if one does lock up, one is still going. I I, I don't know. (laughs) The water boy is going to have to make a pick. Is he the only one with an active internet connection? Or or, or someone... (laughs) someone fakes a, uh, a freeze moment and <laughs> to delay, like they've actually froze. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I, let's hope for none of that. I, I want this to be clean. Cause I think it'd be, yeah, I do it's going to be actually pretty neat. And, uh, I, I hope we can, I mean, there's already gonna be enough controversy as it is with the actual picks. Right? I mean, Twitter always loses its mind during the draft. So let's just not have any, uh, any hiccups and get through this thing clean. Cause I think it'll speak for itself. All right. This edition of the Spot Track Podcast is also brought to you by Fantasy Pros, your one-stop shop for fantasy data analytics. You can manage your roster right on there. While most sports are currently at a standstill, it's never too early to prepare for your fantasy football draft, whenever that may come. There's no better resource out there than Fantasy Pros with their flagship Draft Wizard product and Mock Draft Simulator you can customize for any format you play. Run plenty of mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario you may face when it's time to draft your actual fantasy roster. Visit fantasypros.com slash nfl today and get a head start on your competition. You and I both use this. Good stuff, right, Scott? Oh, we, they we are. We use fantasy pros for a lot of things. Rankings, um, actual start and sit management for our roster. DFS. Exactly. DFS optimization. There's tons to do there. It's super inexpensive. Check out fantasypros.com slash spot trek dash NFL right now and give it a try. My thanks to Scott Allen. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot trek, S-P-O-T-R-A-C for 40% off there. My name is Mike Gennetti. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.